Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you visit Arizona... Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. Not just their history, but how this music continues to evolve. We're opening the vault on classic records upon re-release, delving into their inner workings and their lasting impact. Maybe you're a longtime fan and wants to go a little deeper. Maybe you're a first-time listener and you're curious to hear more. Either way, you're in the right place. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you tune in to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Take a second before we get started to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from today. Whether that's on uh, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you're listening from right now, there is a subscribe button right in front of you. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound and would love to keep you up to date. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, I'm once again talking with Steve Hackett, formerly of Genesis. He has a brand new record out called At the Edge of Light. This follows up last year's success off of a live album, which we also got to talk about. And we'll learn how that live album fed into this new studio recording. It's an album that's also reflective of not only what's going on in America, all over the world, and specifically in the UK where he's based, dealing with Brexit over there. Themes of darkness and lights, but he also hits on American politics, specifically with a song called Underground Railroad. We'll learn about all of those songs and how they all filter into one track that wraps up the record, simply titled Peace. We also get some insight onto what he's doing on the upcoming tour. In fact, he's going to be doing Genesis selling England by the pound all the way through and putting a big spotlight on his own solo recording, Spectral Mornings, which turns 40 this year. It's always a pleasure and an honor to talk to him. It's Kyle Meredith. 
with Steve Hackett. How are you doing? I'm great. It's great to talk to you again. Congratulations on the new record at the Edge of Lights. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's gone down really well so far. It reached a, a number six midweek national charts in the UK. So it's um, doing the best I've done for 37 years or so. That, that's great. You know, this comes after you know, quite a bit of buzz of last year's live album, too, which... You know, I got the honor to speak to you about as well. Did this did this new studio record, did it? Did the live album have any influence on it? Because it sort of feels like it might have. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think uh, I was most of the stuff was being centered on Wind and Wuthering at that time. But um, when I go out this year, I'm just about to embark on, on shows. I'll be doing the whole of Selling England by the Pound. So concentrating on another sort of era of Genesis. And I just did an orchestral tour with, you know, band and orchestra. So I, I think the uh, the album has a whole ton of, the current album has a ton of orchestra on it. I think it's the most integrated version of that. But, it, you know, it's also got the long songs, so it's a kind of, uh, it's 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 got that journeying musical continuum feel to it. And you're using, a, as you've been talking about in, the, uh, in other interviews and press releases, uh, a lot of folks from a lot of different cultures uh, once again, as, as your band, and as what does that happen naturally for you, or or do you actually specifically seek that out? Well, the thing is, I've made friends with people all over the world, and um, uh, I would never have believed it at one time that I would have somebody from Azerbaijan playing the tar, <laughs> and and a, a, a lady playing the sitar who is an incredible virtuoso called Shima Mukherjee. But it, it's wonderful to work with people all over, you know, from Iceland and from Hungary and the UK and the United States. So it's a bit like a kind of, uh, I suppose, United Nations or a fellowship, perhaps. And it's lovely, you know, in, in these days when politicians are trying to sort of separate us all, all out, that, that music ignores borders and does... Uh, you know, flies through through walls and borders and bridges and all, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's part of the audio fight back as well to say that uh, you can do stuff that's accessible, that's got a nod to to, to world music, but uh, it's still a rock album and and broadening rock's shoulders. Uh, to some degree. You get into those themes, of course, all throughout the record. I mean, I hear you talk about how, you know, furthering what you're you're saying there with multicultures, uh, this album's based on a lot of darkness and light to reflect world happenings. Well, I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, we're at a very dark time in, 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 in Europe right now with the rise of the right and Brexit and all of that, and I'm supposed to be touring in in Europe a month after Brexit is supposed to happen. Uh, some of us are trying to frustrate that process uh, so that we stay, you know, friends with all of our European allies was the word at one time. I, I'm signed to a, rec- a German record company. You know, we, we've buried the hatchet long ago, but it seems that uh, politicians over here seem to be determined to bring about the economic collapse of, of, of the UK. And uh, we just try to do what, what we can without blowing up the Houses of Parliament, you know, uh, we don't really know what we can do other than uh, doing an album like this, which shows that people can get on from everywhere. We should be celebrating the best in the world in every field, it seems to me, you know, that way round. I'm um, not being idealistic, but, you know, we're trying to um, get rid of diseases and and uh, economic hardship, famine and all that stuff. It isn't going to happen unless everyone puts their heads together. We've got all the technology so that people can, can do any kind of stuff at a remote distance. You can make films like this. You can write books like this. You can make albums like this. All you need is friends. You know, it feels like what you're talking about, or maybe it's coincidence, that the song titles 
actually decrease to the word peace. Even even the length of the titles, it seems to all filter down to the last song, which is peace. The last song is peace. Um, it's 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 a ballad. It starts out that way, but it it, it grows from that. And uh, the things that precede it, there's two tracks. Uh, there's descent and there's conflict. They all run as as three tracks. So you get a feeling of um, a build up, almost like a kind of arming uh, feeling. So you go through armament, the build up of tensions, and then it's a sort of musical depiction of all out war. And then you get you know this kind of resolving, peaceful thing that's got a, a spiritual aspect about it as well. And America is represented here. I mean, you wrote about the Underground Railroad. What what inspired you there? Well, I was in Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, and walking by the river and reading the story of ha- Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad, which was a movement that helped slaves escape. And then I read a book two, two years later uh, by Colson Whitehead, and it's a international bestseller, which was recommended by Barack Obama and um, same title, Underground Railroad, and I thought, this has to make a song. So um, I've met the, the, um, the, the McBroom sisters, Lorelei and Durga, both of whom have incredible voices, and I said I wanted to do something that had a kind of gospel feel to it, but then they got a chance to have soloists as well within it. So something that's, forgive me for being, you know, a white European with this, but uh, um, I wanted to do something that was pure Americana with harmonica and dobro and all of that stuff. So they give it a, a kind of vocal authenticity that I, I doubt I could bring to it solely on my own. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that dobro and the harmonica itself really puts it into an era and a time. Well, I think so. I mean, I, I, I grew up playing harmonica 10 years before guitar, so I was, I, I was you know, fully conversant with that. My dad was able to play um, a number of wind instruments and introduced me to my first chords on guitar, so I was very lucky to have that in-house. And, of course, then I discovered blues and fell in love with the sound of that. I spent a little bit of time hanging out with Larry Adler um, in England as well, a couple of a couple of evenings with him and um and that was extraordinary because i'd listened to him when i was a child listening to him do rhapsody in blue one hand on the piano one you know one hand on the harmonica extraordinary to uh, to see that level of talent and he was still doing it you know way into his 80s you mentioned uh, going on a tour and and doing some of selling england by the pound uh did i read that you're also going to be kind of putting a spotlight on spectral mornings as well uh, since it's turning 40 this year that's right, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the whole of Selling England by the Pound, um, certainly most of uh, Spectral Mornings, and introducing stuff from the new album. So I'm, I hope that we'll get a chance to do maybe half an hour's worth from from the new album and uh, and also with the Selling England stuff to use a song that was like a deleted scene, if you think of it as, as a film. There was something that Pete, Peter Gabriel and I wrote. So I'll, I'll be doing that live as well. Now, now when you do that, do you, do you go note for note to recreate it or, or are you letting these songs kind of uh, transform and grow in any way? Well, some things um, go in, into improvisations, like the the end of Dancing with the Moonlit Night goes into a jam, basically, a very quiet jam. And then I Know What I Like is an excuse for a jam anyway. That's what it was born out of. So uh, it's not note for note, but then the rest of it, I think I try and keep it authentic. You know, the keyboard solos remain the same, and um, I do the same solo from Firth of Fifth 
for instance, because it's so much part of the song. Uh, there's no point going off on, 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 on a bender there. I want to keep it all, all authentic. Well, I'm excited to hear how it all sounds out there, and especially how you integrate at the Edge of Light in it. It's a really fantastic record. Uh, congrats on the, uh, on the continued success, Steve, and it's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. Lovely, Carl. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you, too. And my thanks to Steve Hackett's. The new record is called At the Edge of Lights. Now, since Steve and I were also talking about the live album he did uh, just last year, I want to include that interview as well for a little context. So uh, here's a nice little bonus. It's part two of Kyle Meredith with Steve Hackett. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk to you, too. Nice to talk. Hey, congratulations on this live record. It is a whole lot of fun to listen to. Thank you. It's um, doing well over here. It's gone to number one in the Amazon charts uh, in the UK, so I'm uh, I'm very happy with that. It's all downhill from here, of course, you know, but there we go. (laughs) Nice to get some good news. All downhill from here. That's right. There's a concept behind this. Do you want to do you want to set up the concept before we get too far into it? Oh sure. Well, you know, I was celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wind and Wuthering, which was released in 1977. So, uh, 40th birthday was 2017. So, off the Genesis set, we do quite a few numbers from that. I don't do the album in its entirety. I just do what I think is the strongest stuff from it, which means we do uh, an 11th Earl of Mar, One for the Vine, Blood on the Rooftop, uh, In That Quiet Earth, and the other one, Afterglow, plus another tune that was recorded at the same time in the same bunch of sessions that a number of us think should have been on the album. I know uh, 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 Tony Banks and I think it should have been on the album, and that's a track called Inside and Out, so we do that as well. It was only uh, issued on an EP, but it was Phil Collins' first complete lyric for the band back in the day and it uh, should have been on there. Writing the wrong, that's what you've done. Well, that's what I do, yeah, you know, it's an everything to a director's cut and a, a kind of act of restitution and restoration and all of that. Um, yeah, I have re-recorded a few things, usually live, but sometimes studio versions of uh, the Genesis things. In fact, uh, just recently, I guess worth breaking up, uh, you re-recorded the, uh, the big, uh, your big hit from GTR, When the Heart Rules the Mind, right? That's right, yeah. I don't know if anyone's publicly heard that yet, but uh, I have um, uh, redone that. Yeah, um, I'll be playing it live on the forthcoming concerts. So there'll be there'll be solo stuff. There'll be um, tiny bit of GTR, and then there'll be the Genesis stuff. But um, yeah, I, I really recorded that. I, I always liked the song, and I always wanted to do my own version. And um, Steve Rothery joined me on it. That's an uh, uh, additional guitar. Steve Rothery of Marillion. He and I have been doing one or two things together recently, showing up on each other's things, and um, uh, we may well do a project together. So yeah, return to GTR. That's um, something that many people have asked if I was ever going to either play that stuff or, or reform the band. And, uh, you know, one tries. One tries at these reformations, but they're not, not always that, that easy. Uh, meanwhile, I would think the reason for doing any of those things is to celebrate the, uh, the music that people once liked, and they might like the new version. That'd be cool if, uh, if that makes it out uh, at any certain point. Be interested to hear that. Well, I know a lot of people yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I think they're going to release it as a single, I believe. And if... For some reason, that gets overlooked. I'll stick it on an album at some point, yeah. probably later in the year. Well, I, I know there's, it's always sort of a tightrope walk when you're revisiting a lot of this stuff and you know, celebrating an album like Wind and Wuthering. 
you know, it's a classic record yeah. and adding a, I mean, yeah. when you try to get out of that, do you try to add a new stamp to it or, or are you just serving sort of the, uh, the memory uh, of it for the fans? Well, I think I, I think um, it was the last album I did with, with the band. I, I haven't re-recorded it as a, as a, as a studio album. I'm just celebrating the fact that it was its 40th birthday you know, every now and again, there'll be someone in, in the Genesis office who will say, oh, you realize next year will be the 50th anniversary of anything that Genesis ever did, that she said, uh, but I don't think there'll be a re- reformation, do you? And I said, well, you know, I'm always open to that. But meanwhile, you know, I, I, I like to honor and celebrate things uh, for various reasons. I spent a long time, decades, doing solo stuff and rather shorter time doing or celebrating the Genesis stuff. And I, I just tell people that in 1973, when we were unable to get a, a gig practically anywhere in the States, John Lennon gave an interview and said, and that was the time we were doing Selling England by the Pound, he said that Genesis was one of the bands he was listening to. So would that we could have capitalized on it at the time with Twitter and all the rest, but you know that sort of stuff wasn't around. So decades later, it comes to light that we were one of the bands that had John Lennon's ear for even for five seconds. I, I, I was pleased with that at the time, as the other Genesis guys were. Um, it did something for us, but you know it was only the ripple effect. I like to honor the stuff, the early stuff that, that often I find you know bandmates can often be quite dismissive of the early stuff. But I like to remind, and um, you know, there was an audience for that. Uh, those albums did sell very well, and it, but it's not all. It's not all about. It's not all about the numbers. It's about much more than that for me. Now, you mentioned, of course, you know, when, when things start to happening like that, with 50th anniversaries happening every single year at this point. And the yeah, there's often yeah come up. There's often there's often this you know missed opportunities, and uh, I like to think that I like to pull focus and say no, it doesn't have to be a, a missed opportunity. But I'm not going to celebrate 50 years of Genesis, but you know uh, there'll probably be. Yeah, I think something's going to happen with Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. God knows what a reissue, extra sleeve note. But you know this is something that that people have had already. You know, so it's, um, you know, how much of a retread can there be? Meanwhile, I continue to record new stuff, mm-hmm. um, um, and um, I'm halfway through a new album. The last album I did, last studio album, had 20 people on it from all around the world. We had Israeli working with Palestinian, oh, you know, Azerbaijan, uh, working with Iceland, working with Hungary, United Kingdom, United States, just to mention a few, 20 people from all around the world. So I celebrate that as well. I like to celebrate all of these eras, and um, I think it it did very well. Yeah, Yeah. it being so multicultural, I mean, it's a really good time to be... To be doing that, to be because it's wouldn't it be ridiculous if you only work with musicians from your own village? And you know, I remember Mel Brooks doing what was the sketch, the two thousand year old man or whatever it was called, and they asked him what was the first national anthem, and he said, "Yeah, I think I can remember that, something like um, uh, God bless all those in Cave Thirteen and to hell with all the rest." Uh, that seems to be the way the, the politics is going again. So um, while politics goes Neanderthal. Um, I want to go global, and I want to work with more and more people from around the world. I've been working with some Indian musicians recently. Uh, I'll be working with an orchestra with some British dates coming up soon, uh, and uh, but with an American conductor, British orchestra, American conductor, you see. So we go Anglo-American. We do that. We like to do, I think, where politics fails us. Music can do that. Music knows no borders. Neither, neither should it. So, so you, you, you have been taking that whole idea that you did in the studio with the Night Siren, and that is bleeding into.
to these these live shows as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, I do a little bit of that. I don't do too much. Um, uh, I don't want to be too didactic about it. I don't want to pound the table uh, about this, but I think that, you know, my own family were a refugee family coming out of Eastern Europe, coming out of Poland, um, surviving persecution, and they were allowed into the UK in the late 1800s. Not too much trouble, it seems, except at home. So I often say to people, if you know, that um, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be standing here, you know, for all those Brexiteers and those who are anti-foreigner and anti-refugee and all that. So um, you don't have to look too far back. I don't think we should be building walls. We should be tearing them down. We managed to tear down the Berlin Wall, didn't we? I remember seeing Paul Butterfield talking of politics and music. I remember seeing him playing in 1966 to a very small audience doing a stunning show that featured Mike Bloomfield and Elvin Bishop. But he had Howlin' Wolf's rhythm section, I believe. I believe it was Sam Lee and Jerome Arnold um, at that time. And uh, whilst there were race riots going on in Alabama, this was what was possible. You know, the most stunning blues show I'd ever seen. And I was listening to a lot of blues at that time. With this live record, you know, you, so as you're saying, you're kind of celebrating a classic album like Wind and Weathering, as well as playing the Night Siren. Did you, when when you construct, you know, a set list or anything, did you ever try to to sort of blend the two concepts together, or was it kind of an A and B side type uh, well, of thing? Yeah, I think that, you know, I I used to do that, and uh, I would sometimes arrange something so that you know I might do just the guitar solo from first to fifth, which would, you know, draw a big response and I, I was very grateful for that. And you know, a nice piece of music and and everything. But I think what changed my mind about it was I was in Sicily. I was doing an acoustic show with Julian Colbert and a guy showed up at the hotel and he had just about every solo album I'd ever done. And I signed them all in the lobby for him. And then he sheepishly had this other pile and he said, I don't know how you feel about signing these. And it was a Genesis album as if it was contraband. And he thought I was going to hit the roof. But I thought perhaps having signed those, it was time to reclaim the heritage and celebrate it. And that's what gave me the idea of re-recording many of those tunes, albeit with an enlarged team and, and an orchestra and guys who were from, ooh, you know, uh, like-minded bands of a similar era. So, you know, there were, over time, you know, I'd been working with guys from Yes, guys from King Crimson, um, guys from Jethro Tull. You know, there was all sorts of stuff that was going on, and and latterly, you know, guys from ELP and, and all the rest. And, you know, the surviving members of all those bands, you know, we, we all know each other. So it's... I guess it's it's a time where, yes, I realize that to some degree, I think my job is, as Tony Banks said to me, he said, you know, you're preserving the heritage, aren't you? You know, I said, yes, I feel I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, I know that, you know, when they reformed as a, as a three-piece um, some years ago, I guess, you know, they were preserving their idea of, of the heritage, but I think it was 20 years since Genesis last recorded anything in the studio together but i can't answer for everyone else so um it's important to me to say you know it was it was important then and it's important now i i fought hard for those songs then i fight hard for them now and i do enlargements of them i 
you know, often do this, or I intend to often do it with orchestra. Mm-hmm. I will be doing six dates in the UK with orchestra. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of putting my money where my mouth is, saying I think this is um, this is important. It is worth asking. I mean, Tony and Mike have both said that they don't rule it out that you know they could do it, and obviously Phil is back out there now. Mm-hmm. Do you see the benefit of uh, and and would have an interest in going out with them another time, either touring well, or just recording? You know, I, I think you know that um, it's obvious to them that as I'm celebrating Genesis material, and I've said publicly I'm up for that. Um, you know, whether it's a reformation to do something like Lamb Life Down on Broadway, which they initially approached me about, um, I said yes, of course, yeah, if you call me if you need me, but. I think that I think it's possible, and of course, you know, the, the company line is always I wouldn't rule it out, but I think it's highly improbable, so I wouldn't rule it in either. Um, I'm I'm open to it, but I'm I'm I think the I I wouldn't rule it out line is getting a little bit, um, you know, perhaps the timeline on that one has, has run out. Well, I mean, that's uh, I was speaking to Tony recently, and he did allude to. Time may be running out if you were to give it a go for another round. Yeah, time may indeed be running out. Um, but then I had an uncle who lived until he was 108. Uh, so I, I have no intention of retiring. I seem to be getting busier. I'm doing more and more projects with, you know, I've shown up on tons and tons of albums of other people. Usually that's rock, but sometimes it, it's some version of jazz or it's classical. I try and embrace all the, all the genres. I've got this pan-genre affectation, if you like. Call it what you will. Call it collision. Call it fusion. Call it prog. Call it anything you like. But I just, I, I adore music in all its forms. And um, I intend to do that until I drop. Uh, and I'm very happy to do that. You know, I think music is, is, is the nearest thing to the fountain of youth. Keeps me going. Keeps me focused keeps me happy and my, my wife loves to travel she's um, she's a fine historian she god you know she can write books on um, subjects where she needs no source material she's always um, completing my education by taking me off to india where i've been working with some musicians from there and um looking at temples and discovering the history and um, many things she, she loves to travel so in in that sense it's perfect for, for the two of us um, anywhere we visit she might well say to me in in england a little village she might say oh you, you do realize this was a um, stronghold a roman stronghold and they had you know a garrison a garrison 2000 strong here and she'll start reeling off the figures this place called brampton was once called brent tuna so yeah it's it's an education yeah, um... i'm trying to convince her to do, to do a book about, about about greek mythology because she doesn't need any source material for that she lives it absolutely lives it i've been to greece a few times with her and i know we'll go again um I think that's her true passion. One of those, um, there's a very famous line, I think that, uh, well, at least I've read about, I'm assuming it's true, that when you were looking for a band in the early 70s, you, you put out the ad that said, looking for someone who's determined to strive beyond existing, existing stagnant musical forms. And, and if that's yeah. true, it sounds like that's still the mantra. That's still the mantra. I think so, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, uh, if music can retain its element of surprise, whether it's a short song 
or if it's um, you know Wagner's ring cycle or the, or, or the progressive equivalent, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's supper's ready. See, it's ironic that that, that with Genesis in 1972, um, I wrote something that was the preamble to supper's ready. So the shortest song that Genesis ever did, which was 90 seconds long, I wrote, and then there's and then there's supper's ready, the longest thing that we ever did. You know, ironically side by side. And as I say, you know, it's not it's not the form, it's not it's not it's not the length of of the play, it's the quality of the acting, it's the quality of the playing, it's the quality of the writing. I think it does. I don't really mind how long it is or how how short it is. I'll apply that to uh, to your career, and I I hope it's uh, so much much more longer because I'm enjoying everything that you're doing out there. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really having a great time out there right now. It's been really good. We're working with a new bass player, uh, another Swedish guy called um, Jonas Reingold. Jonas Reingold, and he's an absolute virtuoso. I've heard him playing Bach on the bass, and then playing jazz, and then doing you know this this uh, Rickenbacker type stuff. You think, wow, you know this guy. He learned one of the most difficult tunes I've ever been involved with. In two days flat, he just we just said, you know, we might throw this one in the set as you've got all the rest together, and and he and he did, he absolutely nailed it, which is amazing. I, I wish I had a photographic memory like that, um, but um, yeah, flying thing is photographic memory. That's it. That's that's the best way. Well, again, uh, Weathering Nights has made for a really great listen. It's a it's a really fun live album, and congrats on uh, getting the, the number one slot on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really so proud of that. So thank you. Lovely talking to you. You too. And I hope we get to talk again. Yeah, all right. Take care, Steve. All the best. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. A 2018 interview with Steve Hackett talking about the live album Weathering Nights live in Birmingham. And again, the brand new record is called At the Edge of Light. And hey, if you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, whether that's uh, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, really wherever you're getting this from. Hit that subscribe button and then head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net, they've got all your music and film news needs. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.